got to sit with my wife for a couple of minutes, um, and she's streaming this, and I'm not quite sure why. And I have two friends in Indiana, their names popped up, Mindy and Marie, so hey Mindy, hey Marie. I guess I had trouble sleeping and wanted to hear my voice again, so I'm glad that they're there. If I ask you to show me a symbol, you might have a Nike swoosh on a shoe or some kind of an emblem on your shirt or your purse might say something. But today I want to talk about religious symbols, specifically the cross. Before we get to the cross, every religion, really, the major ones have a symbol. For the Buddhist, it's the lotus flower. It grows in muddy water, and their thinking is that it grows in muddy water, and yet it rises and blooms above all that, uh, and it has beauty, and it receives enlightenment. So that's the lotus flower symbol for Buddhists. Judaism, as you know, has the Star of David. Um, there's really no consensus to its origin or really its meaning. Some say that the two triangles, the corner represents uh, creation, revelation, and redemption on one, and the other representing man, the word, the world, and God. Others say it's the shape of King David's shield. And others say the top symbolizes reaching, man reaching towards heaven, and the bottom symbolizes heaven reaching towards man. Islam has the crescent and the star. It was hard to find out why. And there's much disagreement as to even if it was an accepted symbol. In Christianity, of course, we have the cross. And you know why. And we're going to talk about the cross today. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, help us to begin to understand your love shown on the cross. Father, help us to begin to understand your love for us as individuals. Thank you for that love for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be surprised to learn that in the beginning of Christianity, there was really no recognized symbol whatsoever. In the earliest days, theologians and historians say, Christians recognized one another by simply saying, Jesus is Lord. That was maybe their catchphrase, but there was no symbol. It took several generations for the cross to become the symbol, the universal symbol of our faith. If you visit Rome, go into the catacombs, you'll discover crude drawings of, on the wall made by the earliest Christians in that city. Um, and they drew Bible stories and they also drew the fish, which stood as a secret anagram for the Greek word ichthus, which means Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. You've seen pictures of the fish before. But in the earliest days, they didn't draw a cross. That would come later. Some say that the cross did not become the common symbol of Christianity until the second century when the custom of making the sign of the cross on the forehead arose. By the time the Emperor Constantine arose, the cross had become well established as the sign of the Christian faith. 
In some ways, it is a strange symbol because crucifixion was so hated and so dreaded by the ancient world. It may have been the most brutal form of execution ever devised on this planet. Over the centuries, many unbelievers have sneered at Christianity for worshiping a man who died on the cross. The German philosopher Nietzsche called Christianity a religion for weaklings. He mocked the idea of a God who could be crucified. Some years ago, Josh McDowell was debating an atheist in Africa. And at one point, his opponent tried to ridicule Christian faith by saying that Christians are riding on the back of a crucified man. And Josh McDowell answered by saying, you're right. We are riding on the back of a crucified man. And he's going to take us all the way to heaven. The cross to some is just a piece of jewelry. To others, it means nothing at all. To you and me, it means many, many things. As we look at the cross, we see, well, the penalty for sin and that instrument of torture because Christ died there for our sins. We see the love of God because Christ gave his life for our sins. We see the way to heaven because there is no other way. But what's the scripture say? Listen to what Paul says. He tells to the church at Corinth about the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, we see this. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That's two directions, isn't it? The power of God to some and foolishness to others. That's interesting because as the three men were on the cross, Jesus and the two thieves, to one it was the power of God and to other who said nothing, it was foolishness. But verses 22 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 1 are what I want us to look at. We see these words. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified. And that's a stumbling block to Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles or the Greeks. What Paul is saying here is that many Jews and many Greeks in the day, and it's true now, but in the day when Paul lived, they just didn't get it. Some did, by the way, we're told in 1 Corinthians 1, and they became Christ followers, plenty of Jewish people, plenty of the Gentile Greeks. But here's the reason that many Jews and many Greeks couldn't understand Jesus and the cross. We just read that the Jews stumbled at the cross. And they stumbled because most of them were looking for a political leader who would lead them away from the rule of the Roman Empire. When they wanted a Messiah, that's what they expected, and that's not what we got. Is Jesus didn't want to start a political movement that would overthrow Rome. And Instead, he started a spiritual revolution that would overthrow Satan himself. So the Jews could not imagine a crucified Messiah. And it's difficult for us to understand what crucifixion meant to the Jews because we've sanitized it and we've domesticated it. In Indiana, when we did a reenactment of the crucifixion, 
It was interesting. We made sure the people on the cross were safe and that their straps were tight and their platforms were good and that they were comfortable and we sanitized it. I still to this day have never seen the, the last, the, the movie of the crucifixion of Christ that Mel Gibson did because I just can't watch it. I just can't bear to see how vivid they were. We've gold-plated it. We wear it around our necks. We hang ornate crosses in our sanctuaries and put them on our steeples and we build churches in the shape of crosses, sanctuaries that go this way and that. And all of that would have been unthinkable in the first century. So terrible was the crucifixion and the thoughts of it that the word was not even spoken in polite company. And that's why the Jews were scandalized by the cross. They couldn't conceive of a God who would allow His Son to die that way. The Greeks were another matter. The Greeks didn't practice crucifixion. The Romans did. So they didn't have the problems the Jews did. The Greeks tended to look at philosophy as the answer to the deepest questions and problems of life. And the notion of a man hanging on a cross to save the world was just utter nonsense. To them, his death in this manner was foolishness. And the Greek word for that is Moriah, which literally means idiocy. And it's out of it, we get the Greeks, we get the word moron. It, it just didn't make sense. So that's how the Greeks evaluated the crucifixion of Jesus. Much of this world and its opinion of the cross have not changed in 2,000 years. It still doesn't understand the cross. And the idea to many is either repugnant or laughable. In the 60s, one mainline Protestant denomination revised its hymn book and took out nearly all the hymns referring to the blood of Christ. They removed power in the blood. Well, are you washing the blood? And there's a fountain filled with blood. Because they thought those words were unsuited to the sensibilities of modern men and women. But have you noticed in the past weeks, months, years, how the cross is under attack? Have you seen the events on the news? The news is filled with stories. The Chinese government is removing crosses from the tops of churches at an alarming rate. One author said it's like a typhoon has hit the tops of every church in China. And to date, over 2,000 crosses have been removed by the Chinese government. The good news, Christianity is one of the fastest growing religions in China and there's a revival going on. In France, there's an effort to remove a part of a monument to Pope John Paul II. Guess what part of the monument is offensive to people? The cross. They're okay with John Paul but they want the cross to come off of this monument. The country of Poland has said they'll take the monument, cross and all, if it so offends the French. You know, we've talked about China, we've talked about France. It's a good thing that can't happen in this country, isn't it? A high school teacher in Tampa, Florida, told three students to take off their cross necklaces. 
One of the students said she sat down in class, placed her books on her desk when the teacher approached her, referencing the tiny cross necklace which was around the student's neck, and the teacher said, I need to take off your, your necklace off. When the student asked why, the teacher said, that's disrespectful, you have to take it off. On the cover of your penalty is a World War I monument, the Peace Cross. It is in Maryland. Here's a big picture of it on the screen. The cross was erected in 1925, almost 100 years ago, in honor of those who from that town died in World War I. It's 40 feet tall. The United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit declared last month that the Peace Cross, which sit on state, sits on state-owned land in Maryland and has been maintained with public funds, is unconstitutional. It was erected in 1925 with funding from local families and the American Legion. But the state obtained title to the land in 1961. Stay tuned. Perhaps you know of the World Trade Center Cross. There are videos that have been made, documentaries that have been made about this cross standing in rubble. Some of you, anybody seen it? Anybody seen this cross? Yes, some have seen it. Some have been there and seen it. It is now located at a museum at Ground Zero. But there was a fight to get it there. A three-judge panel of the second U.S. court found that the cross located at Ground Zero was a symbol of hope and, a histor and historical in nature. It do did not intentionally discriminate against a group of atheists who sued to have it removed. They ruled. But stay tuned. Bayview Park, Pensacola, Florida. A cross has been there since 1941. This current cross has been there since 1969. A federal judge says it has to be removed. It is under appeal. I found this quote from one who wanted it down to be quite revealing. A person fighting to have it taken said the cross was totally unavoidable to park patrons. Totally unavoidable. I think that's one of the reasons for the attack. The old thought, out of sight, out of mind. Some people want it out of sight because they don't want to be thinking about what the cross means. Because we live in a world that does not want to think about sin. And the cross is a constant reminder. We live in a world that many don't want to think about God. And the cross is a constant reminder. The cross strikes at the heart of human pride. It announces in blood-red letters that you can't save yourself, only God can save you. And to some, that's still a stumbling block. And to some, today, it is foolishness. But to us, to you and me, thank God you have a connection. Do you ever thank God that He taught you the truth? That you're in church today? John 8, 32 and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thank God we're free. Should you worry about these things? About Pensacola, New York City, and all of these places? John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's interesting, while they're taking crosses away in China, there's a revival going on there. May it happen here. Revival. You know these words well. I'm going to read verse 2 and verse 4 from the old rugged cross. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In the last verse, to the old rugged cross I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then He'll call me someday to my home far away where His glory forever I'll share. As we close and think about the truth and thank God for the cross and what it means to you and what it means to me, we'll just meditate a little bit with a video as we're thankful for what God has done for us. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. Streams of grace flow deep and wide.